Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're off and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff. Joining me in just a moment are my co-hosts, my friends, my colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. Uh, and for this episode, we will be talking about the Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll do a quick peek at the Barcelona Man United game later in the week as well. But before we get into that and before I bring in PJ and Anthony, a reminder that Wonder Goal is brought to you by our friends at Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio, uh, where you bet $1 on any game, and you get $200 free. Four more Champions League matches, four more round of 16 matches to dive into for this week. I'm going to start with Frankfurt and Napoli. Uh, obviously Liverpool Madrid is the headliner, but let's get this Frankfurt Napoli match out of the way first. Uh, Frankfurt's plus two forty at home. Napoli plus one ten on the road. The draw is plus two sixty. Napoli's lost two matches in Syria and uh, the Champions League all season. If you combine their records, twenty five wins, two draws. That's maybe more impressive than anything is that they've only drawn two two matches, uh, and two losses. So 22 and 2 in Syria uh, and the Champions League. I kind of want to bet Frankfurt to advance uh, here. All, everybody's going to be on Napoli. This this number is, I think, only going in one direction. And it's I think it just comes down to one of these big favorites is going to lose. And I'll take the kind of young, inexperienced European team here uh, to maybe be that team going up against uh, the defending Europa League champions. Who, by the way, Frankfurt's having a decent season in, in Bundesliga. They're sixth. Expected numbers say they should be around fifth or sixth. Ah, I know you guys are going to talk me out of it, but I think that that's where I'd be looking. Anthony, uh, is there a path to success here for the Germans? I think the only way you can really make a case for Frankfurt here is if you think that Napoli is overrated because their schedule, like we, we kind of don't know about Italy. Uh, how good is Italy as a league? Because we all love Roma, uh, and and you know they had a an okay performance in the Europa League last week. You know they lost at Salzburg. I thought they were the better team, but like they played Roma about even on two separate occasions. Uh, they lost to Inter in their worst game of the season at Inter, where they created less than half of an expected goal. They have without a doubt trucked a lot of bad Serie A teams. They've been dominant in Serie A, but if you if you think about the league, the mid table and the lower part of Syria have probably never been this bad. There's just no money. Uh, a lot of the good talent in Syria is getting swept up by mid-level teams in the Premier League, the Bundesliga and La Liga. Like they're not selling up the, their own food chain. 
to, you know, to the Juventuses of the world and the Romas even. So, you know, like how good is the top of Serie A is kind of the biggest question with Napoli because they had that incredible showing against Liverpool at home in the first match of the Champions League. And as impressive as that was, like we have to remember, you know, what we thought of Liverpool then versus what we think of them now. Like Napoli was like perfectly built to to take apart every flaw that Liverpool has in transition defense, especially. Uh, I think that was like the coming out party. But like at some point, we do have to respect the underlying numbers. I've lost money fading this team uh, on a multiple occasions against Roma a couple times, uh, against Sassuolo last weekend. They have some of them. They have a lot of depth, but like Kvart Skelia and Oshiman have like both had breakout star campaigns at the same exact time, and so like their ceiling is really high. They could win this whole tournament. I agree, they're a little bit overvalued in the market, like week to week. Mm-hmm. But Frankfurt, I mean, I rail against them every week. Uh, I, our soccer editor Avery Zerman was joking about it. He's like, you know, Debunda, do you want this game? Like, I know you're just gonna, you know, hate on Frankfurt, uh, who again had a pretty mad performance over the weekend. Like, I just don't know that Frankfurt's the team I want to bet against them with. It's a fair point. Uh, I just, I guess it, it's, it's almost one of those situations where before the draw and even like kind of in the, the week at the weeks that we've had off, I'm like, I kind of just want to bet against Napoli in the champions league. Cause you just see so many, so much love for them. Uh, whether it's in the betting market or just you know on soccer Twitter every weekend when they're pacing teams in Syria and Oshman's going off and you're just I'm like this this eventually is going to get to a point where they're either going to win the Champions League or you're going to be able to make money going against them we and we do see a shock or two every you know in these first two knockout rounds around a 16 and quarterfinals last last year uh, we saw Villarreal beat uh, Bayern Munich I believe in the quarterfinals which was something. Nobody really saw it coming. Uh, so that, this is not that, obviously. This, that was a much more profound thing, I would say. Uh, but yeah, we apply on just Napoli being overrated. We'll see. It's a tough environment to go to, of course, as well. Like, I don't know. BJ, what are your thoughts? I'm getting closer and closer to playing Napoli here, but I'm going to need a better number. Like, I'm going to need plus 125 or better. So I do project them at plus 103. So I do am projecting a little bit of value. Anthony mentioned with Frankfurt. I mean, they're... They're overperforming offensively in the Bundesliga, which is not a surprise because they did that last season too. 28 goals from open playoff of 21.4 expected. Eight set-piece goals off of 5.4 expected. And what's interesting about Frankfurt is they're, you know, if you look at a lot of their, their data points, they're a very interesting team because they can play a blend of two different styles. So their build-up attacks to direct attacks per opta is about the same. It's 32 direct attacks, 34 build-up attacks. But I went through and looked when they played teams where they weren't able to hold 50% possession. They have a minus 3.2 expected goal differential in those matches, and they better be prepared to not have a lot of possession in this match because Napoli is one of the most possession-dominant teams across Europe. But to Anthony's point, you know, how good is Serie A? Is Napoli going to be able to hold that much possession against a team like Frankfurt, especially on the road? And the Frankfurt offense, I mean, it's essentially just built on creating big scoring chances, right? I mean, they're tw- they're averaging 11.2 shots per 90 that's 15th in the Bundesliga, but they're fifth in non-penalty expected goals, averaging about one and a half per 90. Napoli's allowed 10 big scoring chances all season long in Serie A. And Napoli, obviously, you mentioned Oshman and Kavarskeli. I mean, they are to combined 1.58 XG plus expected assists per 90 minutes. Like, that is an incredible duo. That's an incredible form. 
Now, Frankfurt is a very difficult place to go and play, right? And they have incredible fans, plus 8.2 expected goal differential at home this season. But Napoli has been good, just as good away from home as they have been at home, plus 11.2 expected goal differential away from home in Serie A and plus 12.1 at home. So if Napoli gets to plus 125, I have to play them purely from a projection edge. I mean, 538 does have Napoli at 50%. So um, I will take Napoli if it gets to plus 125. I don't know if we're going to get there. There's a plus 120 out there right now. I just keep staring at it. I can't hit it right now. So hopefully it gets to plus 125, but we'll see. But yeah, I I don't know if this is the time to necessarily fade Napoli. I think when they have to go up against one of these bigger sides who's going to control a lot of possession, I think that'll be the time to fade them. I mean, Frankfurt finished with a negative expected goal difference in like a bad Champions League group, a group yeah. of teams that we all were like, these teams are all kind of stink. Tottenham. Yeah, Spurs were in that in that group, Marseille and Sporting Lisbon. Uh, and the other thing is like, you know, when we think of Frankfurt, you think of like the pressing. And I do think that's a good point. Like Napoli, 61% possession in Serie A. Like they are a field tilt domination beast. You can't just let Farchgilia and Oshman walk into your penalty area. And Frankfurt's pressing numbers in Germany like aren't that good. They're kind of middle of the road and like passes allowed, uh, pass completion percentage allowed. Uh, they were average in the Champions League group matches. So like, they're they're back line man. Like it could get really really exposed here. Like, the, I wish they got a different opponent. Like any team that wasn't unbelievably overinflated in the market right now. Uh, and I would have loved to fade Frankfurt, but yeah, I, this is a tough one. This is the hardest match I think of all eight in the round of 16 that I've gone back and forth on a lot. And I will have a full preview for this. I'm going to kind of break down both sides of the matchup and, and kind of take, wear it. Take a long walk and yeah, take a long walk and eventually settle on something might even hit the prop market or something because getting to a side or a total here is just really tough. Uh, it will be interesting to see though, like Napoli getting tested outside of Italy, because if you look at it, like they did concede over one expected goal to Ajax in both meetings. Uh, they did concede two to Atalanta over one to, uh, to Juventus, even though they destroyed Juventus uh, the other way. Uh, and that was Juventus is like a team who just doesn't press. It's like, if you don't press this team, like you will get destroyed. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Be fun. Could be a good match, but uh, I've got no bet as of now. Yeah. They pumped that really good Rangers team too in the champions league. We well, I mean, that's, yeah, that that's Rangers the thing like that, that, that group went from being the group of death to uh, right. And like, okay. So if you also, if you look at it, like Napoli, like this, the second meeting against Liverpool meant nothing. And they got pumped yeah, in that one. That's like the only people. match that you can look at and you can say like, yeah, they were completely outplayed and beaten this season. Other than that, you, it's you, like... And, and they didn't really you, even... You talked about the two draws. Yeah. They were in the first month of the year. Yeah. yeah. In, the, in, in, in Serie A, like they've won every Serie A match since October, except for the loss to Inter, uh, which uh, Inter, I thought did a really good job pressing them and like just kind of taking Kaparczkili out of it. I, I don't think Frankfurt's nearly as good on the back line defensively. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, I mean it, like if if you're playing Frankfurt, you're just kind of banking on uh, this number being. Yeah, out I mean, of hand if you're gonna and, play and Frankfurt, wait, wait chaos. until match time. Wait, yeah, wait until match time because this number's. I mean, I'm I'm guessing yeah. if you know yeah. Napoli puts a full think, strength lineup out there, it's gonna be it's gonna close at probably every Napoli every Twitter money. capper in the world is gonna be on Napoli money line. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that's, why I'm wait, that's why I'm trying to get plus one twenty five, and I don't think I'm gonna get it. So I'm probably just gonna end up passing and just waiting and just see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of the allure of the bet to me is like I know where this line's going and I know where Napoli's going, which is a tough environment. And they're you know maybe Frankfurt gets lucky here. Uh, plus two twenty five to advance. Frankfurt is minus three hundred. Uh, of course, those numbers are at bet three six five. Um, let's talk 
the other Tuesday match. This is hilarious uh, that these two teams drew each other again uh, or or playing each other again. And uh, it's Liverpool and Real Madrid. I wonder if Mo Salah is going to tweet, you know, uh, this time we're get his revenge tweet, whatever that was from last. I'm butchering it, but you don't, we all remember it. You mm-hmm. two were all over Liverpool in the final. I told Not you. True. you, just, you and we should have won. I didn't have Anthony Liverpool. was there trying to get into I had, I had one bet. France. It was, and, it was and, Vinicius oh. shot on goal over. Yeah. And it hit, it hit with the only shot on goal oh, I think Real man. had in the match. <laughs> and, and what do they do? They won. They uh, won. Liverpool's plus 130 at home. Uh, the Ancelotti Real Madrid is. Two to one. The draw is plus two sixty. Uh, Liverpool is plus one hundred five to advance. Real Madrid hanging around minus one forty three at bet three six five. I mean, it, we've seen Liverpool put it together two good performances in the Premier League in a row. They're back. They're back, right? They're yeah, they're back. They uh, <laughs> they beat <laughs> they beat they beat Sean Dyche's Everton at home. It's true. Now uh, they're the they, best. Then in they, the world they went on the road that. to beat Newcastle, a banged up Newcastle side. Um had a red card but uh i think plus 200 on real madrid against this 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 version of liverpool as you said anthony uh this this is a not the liverpool we thought we were getting when these champions league groups came out the draw came out i I mean i think the number is maybe not all that enticing on madrid but it'd be that way or nothing for me um we know where you're going your red your blood runs red through and through I feel like I've been fading Liverpool team. more than betting on them this year, but uh, I'm betting on them to, on on Tuesday. Yeah, Oof. I think we've all you know we we follow the Prem more closely than La Liga, and so you know we we talk about Liverpool almost every week on this show. And I think just maybe it's because it's in my media e- ecosystem, but I feel like we've done way more of the oh my god, what's wrong with Liverpool? They're broken, they're dead, they're cooked, they stink. And we haven't done nearly enough of like the, wait a minute, like Real Madrid's kind of floundering a little bit in the league. And like, I know they do this every year uh, where like their league performances tend to lag uh, and then they turn it on for the Champions League. Most of the Champions League magic for Real doesn't usually start till the second leg. So maybe that'll happen here. You know, they'll, they'll pull off like, and I could absolutely see a world where like Liverpool goes to Anfield with a lead or goes to the Bernabeu with a lead and like crumbles in the second leg. But, you know, we've seen Ancelotti... I think this is kind of profile similar to last year's first leg against PSG where they're going to go there with like the intention of just keeping this game competitive and then getting it at home and, and taking their chances with them because PSG totally dominated the first leg of the round of 16 last year. And it's kind of similar here. Like Liverpool has similar weaknesses to that PSG team. I think uh, like stylistically in the sense that like the transition defense is kind of a mess and like that is scary with Vinicius and Benzema, but like this Real Madrid team is bottom three in La Liga in pass completion percentage allowed. Like you can just play right through this team. Like they're not really there. That's why their defense stinks. I mean, they give up a ton of chances in in, in La Liga, uh, in in a La Liga that you know we talk about this with Barcelona in, in a little bit too, which I thought was you know I, I don't think we've given enough credence to, but like the La Liga attacking talent seems to be worse this year. And you've got, you know, Real Madrid allowing over one expected goal per match in that league. Uh, that's compared to like a Barcelona who gave up, you know, who gave up basically nothing uh, to opponents. You know, they're under uh, under 0.78 expected goals allowed per match. So like this is a, a bad defense that doesn't stop the ball, that doesn't press. Going up against a Liverpool attack. I mean, we don't know about Darwin Nunez, which is kind of scary, but like, 
they're finally getting a little bit healthier with Van Dyke back and, and, you know, Gakpo finally gets his in the goals. Like this is still a team that if you just give them the ball and let them have the ball in your final third, they will tear you to shreds. Like the attack never got worse. The attack was always good for Liverpool, even during this, this poor stretch they went through. Uh, so I like the Reds at home. I was really hoping we'd get a pick and it was trending that way, but it appears Liverpool righted the ship just, just in time to, keep that number down so like pick is like minus 135 i'd rather just take the money line i think they're gonna win uh plus 135 plus 140s are out there give me the reds you'll never walk alone tuesday and maybe they'll walk alone at the burnabout in a month but they're not walking alone tomorrow or tuesday so um yeah i think that was this the silver lining uh for me with these the, the that everton match just like yeah people are gonna think that liverpool's you know, back and everything's fixed mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps I get to beat them with, with my man, Carlo Ancelotti, the, the best manager, uh, this side of Sean Deitch. BJ, uh, what are your thoughts here? I actually like the over three goals at plus 110. You know, Anthony hit the nail on the head there with Real Madrid is that, you know, if you look at their expected goals numbers in La Liga, you know, allowing one expected goal per 90.77 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes, it doesn't really tell the story because like you mentioned, the attacking talent's not really great in La Liga this season. So Real Madrid against the top five offenses, because they're the number one offense in, in La Liga. So the five offenses below them, which is Barcelona, Real Betis, Girona, Atletico Madrid, and Villarreal. The five matches they played against those five teams, they've conceded 7.9 expected goals. Plus, Courtois really isn't having that great of a season in in net. He's a minus 0.9 post-shot, actually plus minus. If we remember in that Champions League final, Liverpool outshot Real Madrid 24 to 4. They beat them on expected goals 2.2 to 0.9. And Courtois made nine saves. Like it was, and of course, it was just like a, a perfect crescendo culmination of the Real Madrid luck box to go win the Champions League. It was just perfect, right? Well, things have changed since that Champions League final, right? I mean, Liverpool last season was a, a 0.89 XG per 90 defense. Now they're at 1.43. And there's a very interesting tactical dilemma that Jurgen Klopp is is dealing with right now. The fact that we've said it like, I don't know how many weeks in a row, that their midfield is old, they're light, they can't press like they used to. So at times, Klopp has gone to a 4-5-1 mid-block instead of their usual 4-3-3 high press, narrow, force you to play the ball out wide. It's a very dangerous game to play a 4-5-1 and let Real Madrid have the ball and just try to pass right through you because as we've seen with Liverpool, when they've tried to do that against teams like Brighton who can possess the ball and pass it, they can just play right through you and get the ball out wide. You mentioned Anthony Benicius Jr. up on the left going against Trent Alexander-Arnold is a very, very dangerous thing that Liverpool, I don't really know how they're going to defend that or solve that. And Liverpool's defense... I mean, just because they've kept two clean sheets, it's like it's not like this defense is automatically back. I mean, Liverpool hasn't held an opponent under one and a half expected goals, not managed by Sean Dyche, since December 30th against Leicester. Like, everybody's just been able to play right through them and create a ton of chances against them. Plus, Liverpool against the Big Six, plus their two matches in the Champions League against Napoli, there's a lot of 12.7 expected goals in seven matches. So... It's a very, like, both these defenses are really, really bad. And I don't really see a path to either of them really, really stopping the other one. And it looks like, like you mentioned, Anthony, with the Reds getting healthy, uh, we don't know the stats of Darwin Nunez, but I hope you two haven't ripped up your golden boot tickets yet because it looks like Diego Jota is going to finally be back in the lineup. <laughs> and if we remember last, goal. 
He has. Well, he's he's already at about a point three four xg per 90 right now but he's only what about about goals has he scored a goal in the front this year i don't i don't know scoring a goal but uh we remember if we forget last year he was actually outside of Salah. he was one of their most important players like he was a 0.84 xg plus expected assist per 90 minute rate second behind Salah team better than sadio mane and liverpool has been underperforming offensively out of the world cup break they've created 15.7 expected goals and in eight matches and have only scored nine of them so I love the over three goals at plus 110. Both these defenses suck really, really bad. I mean, this game is going to become very transitional, which favors and also doesn't favor Liverpool and also favors Real Madrid. It's just, yeah, it's going to be, I think, a perfectly chaotic type match. So I do have 3.2 goals projected. So over three goals at plus 110, it's good enough for me. It's about the same line as the Champions League final, which was a neutral site. Uh, You have to downgrade Liverpool, I think, more than Real Madrid, but how much more? Uh, that's an interesting question. Also, uh, off topic, but I did think it was funny today. The broadcast was hyping up Marcus Rashford, and one of the commentators, I don't know who the commentator was, but he said, like, uh, you know, he's really given a run for for Golden Boot with Erling Holland. And I'm like, <laughs> no way, that's true. And then they NBC Sports put up the graphic, and he's like, oh, he's only 12 goals behind for Golden Boot. <laughs> it was really funny. I, I oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this, Liverpool. Uh, after the red card with Nick Pope, like they still conceded 1.7 expected goals and 13 shots to Newcastle. Like, yeah, let's almost not act all like on set pieces. Yeah, right. Was, let's let's not act crushed. like yeah. Yeah, let's not act like this defense is suddenly back. I'll he be on Madrid salty because he had Newcastle team total over again. Uh, I did. I will be on <laughs> Madrid as his tradition. Um, I might take a Venetia's shots on target over again. Yeah, just for why the not? Good old days. Yeah, why not? Uh, maybe Thibaut Courtois over nine and a half saves. <laughs> Inter Milan, this is Wednesday. They are minus 134 hosting Porto out of Portugal. Plus 400. The draw is plus 260. Uh, Anthony, I'm just going to turn it to you. These two teams, the odds tell us that Inter should. They're they're one of the bigger uh, favorites to advance. They're minus 225, Porto plus 162. You think the ceiling on Inter is uh, like pretty high in this tournament we talked about it a little bit they're hanging around in that mid-tier like 33 to 1 we're all kind of expecting the the next round to look pretty soft like just beatable for basically anybody uh why are they a team that you believe can can do it that's the thing like i don't know how high the ceiling is i think their floor is super high i think they're a good team that they've done it in in, in europe and they've shown they can compete with teams like liverpool uh, and then, you know, got through a, a good, uh, you know, good showing in the Champions League group in a tough group. But like, how high is the ceiling? Can, can they beat a Bayern or a City over two legs? I don't know. I'm like kind of iffy on that. But I don't think there's anybody else that they couldn't like, you know, we've seen them beat Napoli uh, and, and really shut down Napoli in a year where all of the teams at the top, except City, have defenses that make you kind of cringe. Inter might be like the second best defense in the in, in the whole tournament left. Like you can like who else is better defensively? Benfica. Yeah, so you love Benfica. Uh <laughs> other than them, like I'm just kidding. They're they're yeah, like, I don't know. There's not really a lot of great defenses, so you run some good set piece variants, you defend really well, and you have a high floor and you get a bounce or two in a wide open field. Like Inter for me is the team that like has the floor. Whereas like you know, Napoli, the price isn't there anymore. 
you go down the list, like PSG, I think is super flawed. Real Madrid, Liverpool don't defend. And you can, I mean, Real didn't defend last year. They won the Champions League. So like you can ride a hot goalie or something, but like they're, they're an interesting case. And I don't think it's a bad draw. I think minus 134, minus 130 for a first leg money line is, is too steep. I would need like minus 110 to bet them. And I don't think there's like a huge like tactical thing where they're much better than Porto. Um, I just think they're like generally just like a better team than Porto. Porto is going to sit deep. They're going to force Inter to try to break them down. Like this does profile as like a lower scoring affair. Uh, but I think uh, Inter will get through ultimately. And, and then, you know, hopefully they get a good draw. I mean, they could draw like Milan Spurs in the quarterfinals. And I feel pretty good about that. What uh? What are your thoughts here, BJ? On yeah, Inter- so there's some Porto. Yeah, so there's some injury concerns for Porto that have to be mentioned. Uh, Otavio is going to be out for this leg. He will be back for the second leg. He's their leader in expected assists this season, so that's a big blow. Even Nielsen, who's Taremi's striking partner up top in the four four two, is leading the team in XG per ninety. He's likely going to be out for this match. Mateus Uribe, who's their main defensive midfielder, who's played the most nineties of any outfield player for them this season is also questionable for this leg. So there's a lot going against Porto. And like you mentioned, Anthony, they're going to sit defensive in their 4-4-2, like we've seen them do time and time again in the Champions League, just trying to get the draw and get this thing back to Portugal when they can get all of those players back from injury. And Inter, I mean, they've been in great form out of the World Cup break. I mean, they've lost one match. It was a fluke loss to Empoli at home. Like Anthony mentioned, they've beaten Napoli. They've beaten AC Milan twice. They've beaten Atalanta twice. And most importantly, last six matches, we've only conceded 3.7 expected goals so it's a really good defense team who's in incredible form uh playing its team who's going to set up very defensive without two of their main attackers so i only have 2.28 goals projected for this one under two and a half goals is is getting pretty juicy at uh, minus 125 so if that gets to minus 115 i'll play it but uh, i'll probably be looking to play porto in the second leg if inter wins this one and porto gets all those guys healthy because uh, you might just get in a nice inflated line uh, with Inter. So uh, under two and a half or, or anything, or if anything for me. The other Wednesday match is quite interesting. RB Leipzig. This is, this is fun. Yeah, this is fun. And it got to be more fun after what happened this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Leipzig's plus 350 hosting Man City, minus 134. Uh, the draw is plus 290 to advance. City minus 550. Leipzig. Uh, they are plus 350. So you guys, are, I told you that Steve Cooper was just a genius, and we saw another Cooper master class this, this weekend, seeing City draw 1-1 against Forrest. Uh, but that, this is kind of why I, I like the Leipzig future. In all likelihood, they lose this tie. Uh, they, they get tr- trounced by City uh, over two legs, and that's it. You the Your 100-to-1 ticket gets set on fire by what 6 p.m. Eastern time on or 5 p.m. Eastern time on uh, on Wednesday. But we've just seen City they they've just been so wonky this year. They've just had these moments of just pure freakishness. Um and against a good team, the odds of that happening are much greater than they would be against Nottingham Forest or Everton at home. The Leipzig this Leipzig team is really good. I think I I, I think that I'd I'd rather bet them long term than just to back them here on the money line. So I'm betting them to win the tournament. That's kind of going to stand as my money line bet for this game. But I know you two 
are both on this train with me, BJ. Yep. What are your thoughts here? So, yes, I love a Leipzig plus a half. I've played them to advance at plus 440. So these two obviously met in the Champions League last season. Uh, only one of the matches actually mattered. The The final match that was at Leipzig, City had already sealed up the group, and they played a bunch of reserve guys, so it didn't really matter. But the first one was a chaotic 6-3 win for City. Expected goals is only 2.3 to 1.3. And I went back and I watched the highlights because I was like, okay, you know, it's been a long time. I hadn't really seen what happened in this one. First off, you have to remember, who was managing RB Leipzig at that point? It was Jesse Marsh. No comment. <laughs> one of the worst defensive managers we've ever seen grace the Bundesliga and the Premier League. Also, I went back and looked how City scored all their goals in that match. It was off a corner, an own goal, a penalty, a Grealish low-quality shot, a Cancelo streamer from 20, 27 yards and a Gabriel Jesus deflection goal. It was a lot of flukiness from City to get the ball in the back of the net. This is going to be a much, much different, much better RB Leipzig defense that is only allowing one expected goal per 90 minutes under Marco Rosa, which I think we got to give Anthony credit because I think Marco Rosa might be the best manager in the world. I went and looked <laughs> since September. Here, I'm, I'm, let me get to my I point agree. here, Anthony. Since September 8th, when he was hired at RB Leipzig, they have a plus 1.23 non-penalty expected goal differential per 90 minutes in the Bundesliga. Only Barcelona has a better mark over that time span than RB Leipzig. And they have a style of play that can give City so, so many problems. I mean, you saw it out of the World Cup break when they played Bayern Munich. It was a perfect example. Bayern controlled 58% possession, but Leipzig held them to seven shots. And... Other than the goal that went in from Chu of Mote inside the six-yard box, every other shot that Bayern Munich had had an XG rating under 0.1. So we have an RB Leipzig offense that is under Rosa has created 38.6 expected goals in his 21 matches in charge. And they've been out with been without Christopher and Kunku since before the World Cup break. He came back from injury against Wolfsburg this past weekend. So their offense is only going to get better. And can we talk about the fixture pileup for City right now? Because this is going to be their fourth match in 10 days and their third straight match on the road in less than a week. That's a lot of travel. And Pep has not rotated at all. Maybe one or two throughout those matches, but it's going to have been the same starting 11 pretty much. So the legs have to be tired for City at this point. So this is a wonderful spot for Leipzig, who obviously had a great showing against Wolfsburg this past weekend. So I love them plus a half plus 105 to advance at plus 440. I think that number is wonderful because if you love Leipzig in this first leg, you can play back on City and have a nice hedge opportunity in the second leg as well to advance. So, and obviously we've already bet them, you know, at 100 to 1 to win the Champions League. So, yes, tremendous spot here for Leipzig who can give City all sorts of problems. Yeah, look, uh, I, I, I've been saying this about Rosa for... Four years, three years, uh, and you know it wasn't a great fit at Dortmund, but it's clearly working here at Leipzig. They're the best defense in the Bundesliga for me, and they allow the fewest shots per ninety. They allow the fewest shots on target per ninety. They allow the average longest shot distance, which is something you talked about. And if we talked about City this year, like their average shot distance is further from the goal than it was last season. They're getting fewer shots. Uh, it all has the recipe for an overinflated City on the road in the first leg in a matchup they don't necessarily need to win. You know, I, I still think that matters. You know, if it's the 85th, 80th minute, 85th minute, you're not going to see city throwing numbers forward. Uh, you know, when it draws a fine result for them, I think that does matter because 
so many times in like a league match, you'll see a, a favorite, you know, risk to try to get the three points instead of, you know, at, at the risk of losing one. In this case with Pep, we've seen it time and time and time again. Pep, when in doubt in these Champions League ties, goes too conservative, not too aggressive. Uh, and it hurts them. It costs them, you know, because they're the better team and they're they're lowering the variance. So I think the matchup is, is fine for, for Leipzig. They're comfortable out of possession. They're good defending out of possession. They have really good individual defenders. I think, you know, the main, one of the main reasons that Leipzig has been, you know, as good as they've been defensively this year is that the personnel is, is just better than it was uh, last year too with, uh, you know, their defense taking steps forward. Orban is good. Uh, like Guardiol has, has been like a breakout star at center back. So they have the pieces. Uh, and then Nkunku and Werner are like super stars in transition with Werner's pace and his his passing, underrated passing range. And Nkunku's dribbling. I mean, that's just like a really capable counterattack. Uh, what we've seen is you're going to hit City up the wings with pace and Werner loves making that run into that channel and then Kunku with his ability to dribble through anybody, it's going to be dangerous. So I like Leipzig at home. First half, uh, first leg plus a half. Love it. My favorite bet for the, for the champions league group stage. Uh, probably of all of the bets, to be honest. The Europa league. Now uh, we'll talk uh, United and Barcelona. Then you two will give out a couple other plays that you like. Uh, First leg of this one, two, two. So now we head to the theater of dreams. United's plus one thirty on the three-way line. Barcelona's plus two twenty, and the draw is plus two ten. United just rolled Leicester City. Uh, you guys love Barcelona. Love Barcelona for quite some time. Honestly, you know they they obviously disappointed us in Champions League, but if you go back to basically. December of last year, I would say we we were talking Bilo about how this Barca. yeah Bilo Barca, um, but this is basically do you sell high United? I, I'm I'm kind of interested in in the Catalans here, Anthony. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm gonna place a bet that I like don't think I've ever placed, but uh, it's a, it's a fun way of 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 me truly thinking this is a coin flip match. Uh, I'm gonna take both teams to score and this match to be a draw, so to go to extra time. At plus 310. And the way I see this, uh, I do have a little bit of value on Barca, a little bit, but I think this is something I highlighted earlier. Like we saw the problems that Barca has every time they go up in, in, in attack quality against, they've gotten exposed defensively. And that was very evident with United's kind of just clogging the defensive middle, winning the ball and breaking immediately, which is something they're very good at. Barcelona is very bad at defending with their, they want the game to be slow. United wants it to be fast. Uh, and it was a very up and down game and that favored United in the first leg. I think based on Ten Hag's comments, th this in theory would be a bad spot because United has a cup final on Sunday, but based on Ten Hag's comments to the fans and in and, and the post-match today, like he's talking about like, we need to bring it Thursday. We need to go all out. We need to beat Barcelona. So it seems to me that he said squad rotation and spot be damned. We're putting our best guys out there, and they've been playing really well. Uh, Sancho is the player for me. That's the key. That's the that's the ceiling raiser for United because right now it's just Marcus Rashford. Like he's unreal, in, incredible form, but eventually he will cool off. And when he does, the attack's kind of mid. But if Sancho is going to bring back the production from Dortmund, you know those levels, 
now you've got a really fun, dangerous, good team that can rip Barca apart here. So I, I think I like both teams to score, and I think this is a draw. What I think will likely happen is you're going to see these two teams somewhat similar. It'll be open to start, but I think as the match progresses, you're going to see both teams take fewer and fewer chances to the point where if it is tied late, I think uh, you're going to see it turn into a little bit of a stalemate. And if it's not, I really don't trust either defense right now to stop anybody uh, because they haven't been able to. I mean, Barca was getting every look they wanted from crosses. United was getting in the penalty area with, with runners at will. Um, so I'm taking both teams to score yes and the draw at plus 310. Uh, I think we're going to get some extra extra free soccer here. No away goal rule anymore. So it's not like at 1-1, you know, Barca has to go for it. So both teams to score and draw. Just like in the first leg. Uh, yeah. BJ, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't hate, actually, I was just looking. I don't really hate a look at the over, which is just two and a half at minus 110 right now. I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, United was able to do whatever they wanted to, against Barcelona. I was really disappointed in Barcelona's counterpressing. That's what makes Barcelona so good. It's when they lose the ball in the final third, they're able to counterpress a lot of these lower half sides and they go the ball back and going forward. United only had three 10 plus pass sequences, but they were able to get 15 penalty box shots against Barcelona. Like it was, I I was like, you know, obviously somebody who hates Manchester United who's came on this podcast many, many times and say they suck. Oh my gosh, they're terrible. I don't think they're really that terrible anymore. <laughs> I think they're, I think they're very, very good. They're very, very out. dangerous. And you saw it again today against Leicester. I mean, they absolutely just pumped them. I think it's over three expected goals. It was, oh, so again, but now we're in a situation we have a fixture pileup for Manchester United. We have a cup final on, on Sunday. But for Barcelona, I mean, now they're going to be without Pedri for an extended period of time. So that's another troublesome thing that they have to deal with. But, yeah, it's 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 what you've seen. Like, you hit the nail on the head, Anthony. It's like when Barcelona's a step in competition, when they have to play teams who can play through pressure and won't just succumb to their counter-pressing, it's going to be very difficult. So now you don't have Pedri. Now you don't have Sergio Busquets, who can, two of your best midfielders. I mean, they played ball day in the midfield today against Cadiz. Like, that's more and more. I mean, he's very, very good. But he's also a left back. So it's it's very troublesome. So I do project nine, 2.97 goals for this one. I mean, who's, who's to say we won't see another chaotic type match like we saw the last time? If United is going to sit deep and, and counter... Like, how is Barcelona going to stop them, right? That's the thing. So, I mean, we did have 3.2 expected goal, 3.3 expected goals created in the previous meeting, expected threat over over three combined between the two teams. You don't see that that often. So, uh, yeah, I do like over two and a half goals uh, at minus 110. I think it's way too cheap of a price for given what we saw in that first leg. Yeah, United uh, in a really bad spot put up over three expected goals today. And I... You know, the first like 15 minutes, I was like, oh boy, like United looks terrible. Like they were getting worked. They should have been down a goal, but they like flipped the switch, took over the game, and it was over and over again. I mean, I think a lot of it was Leicester, to be honest. Like, I think they were awful, awful defensive team. But yeah, United has to be given credit for in that spot, given the, the sandwich and the look ahead and all the matches they played to put up the over three expected goals. Like, that's a, that's a statement, even if it's against Leicester at home. So, Credit to the Red Devils. Uh, they look like a surefire top four team, which uh, is crazy to say. But yeah, just I agree. like your Spurs. I mean, they they can't, yeah, they're not. They can't uh 
Barca can't home. possibly try the same thing again, though. That's the only thing. Like there, there will be tactical adjustments from Xavi. Like they can't yeah. possibly roll up to to Man United and, and and get exposed like that again. They'll give up four. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. It'll be very interesting tactically. Like I'm, I'm not a tactician. I'm not Xavi. We'll see what he does. But it'll be a fascinating tie. And honestly, like after the Champions League was kind of dull on Tuesday and Wednesday, I think there were five combined goals in four matches. The Europa League was electric on Thursday. I mean, they, Cadiz... they call you the the Delco Chavi, though. Right? <laughs> Cadiz yes. also Chavi. Cadiz also put up over an expected goal and had an expected threat of one point five against Barcelona. They are one of the worst. Yeah, goals. the defense is overrated. Like, I mean, the defense like, is not they, good right now. So they're good, but they're yeah, not like the best over. defense in Europe. Good. Give me which the is over. What the XG says. Yep. Give me the over. All right, real quick, uh, BJ. Anything else you want to talk about Europa League? Yeah, let's go um, Sporting Lisbon, minus 110 on the road against Micheland in Denmark. Uh, Sporting Lisbon absolutely pumped them in the first leg in Portugal. Expected goals was 2.6 to 0.2. Sporting outshot them 16 to 5, held 71% possession, but it's a 1-1 draw heading back to Denmark, and the disparity in talent between these two teams is quite drastic. So per transfermarket.com, Michelin's total squad transfer value is 34 million. While Sporting, after selling Pedro Porro to Tottenham, is still 228 million. Michelin was in the Europa League group with Lazio, Feyenoord, and Stromgras, the the famous everybody finished with eight points uh, group. They finished with a minus 2.1 expected goal differential, and that was with a 5-1 win over Lazio. And they are really, really bad in the Danish Superliga this season. They just returned this weekend. Uh, they have a plus. 0.37 expected goal differential per 90 minutes, and they're in ninth place right now. And if any of the one or goal listeners want to do a little scouting, both them, Michelin, and Sporting both play on Monday afternoon. Michelin has a very, very important match on the road against second place Viborg, who was owned by our friends here at Better Collective. Uh, while Sporting is playing Chavez, a mid-table team on the road as well. I mean, they're also fighting for a top three spot uh in in portugal so you know they'll, they'll still have to take it a little bit more seriously but i mean sporting isn't been that good in the portuguese premier league there's still a plus 0.9 expected goal differential per 90 minutes but again portugal seventh most difficult league in europe by uefa coefficients 10 marks 17 so uh i don't see a path where michelin's going to be competitive again so i have actually have sporting projected at minus 202 so i love the value on them at minus 110 anthony yeah, I'm going to go with a Juve over in a knockout tournament. Uh, but I actually think that uh, there's past success for both attacks here. Juve uh, will be going on the road here. Their defense away from home has been even more suspect, but they really just don't do a very good job of breaking up play. Uh, and they have the highest pass completion percentage allowed in all of Italy. And they pretty much just pack it in and, and dare you to beat them. Now, Nantes had major problems stopping Juve in the first leg. Juve uh, pretty much got whatever they wanted the first 20 minutes. Juve took their foot off the gas pedal. And then right after Nantes equalized, Juve went back into like, we need to score mode and should have had a penalty, maybe two. Uh, missed a huge chance. Like they were able to kind of get what they wanted. And so the final XG from the first leg was only about 2.1. But I actually think it, it was a little bit uh, misleading when you look at some of the other numbers, uh, box entries and passing the penalty area. Nantes was able to get, the ball into the area a decent amount. And I think at home they'll have more success. So I'm actually going to bet the over two and a half. It's a pretty plus number plus plus one twenty five. Uh, I like the over two and a half. 
I just think that the uh, first leg was misleading and that uh, this leg will be more open and back and forth. And and like, you know, we've talked about Juve defensive regression. Like they're just not as good as their numbers suggest. Not finished. They're like a mid-table French defense and they finished with a uh, over one and a half expected goals allowed in the group stage of this tournament. So it's a bad defense that I think Juve could take advantage of. Maybe I'm going to be rooting for Vlaovic now, so he probably will miss three big chances. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that wraps up this episode of Wonder Goal. Soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. We'll see you guys again Thursday morning for our Premier League preview. But until then, best of luck with all your bets in the Champions League and Europa League. For Anthony DeBundo, BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Leboff. So long for now. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.